Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Kirsten Yale, the Associate Director for Research at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today's episode was recorded on location at ADCES 22 in Baltimore. Over the next several weeks, we're bringing you captured conversations from the conference. If you haven't attended an ADCES conference yet, these conversations will serve as a window into the experts, technology, trends, and topics you'll come across at the event. Of course, it's not too late to get access to these, as select sessions are available on demand now through October 24, 2022 at adces22.org. Today's discussion is with Dr. Jane K. Dickinson. Jane is a registered nurse and certified diabetes care and education specialist who has firsthand experience living with type 1 diabetes. We caught her at the conference after she finished hosting a panel discussion. The panel showcased Julie K. Heverly at the Diatribe Foundation, Mary Jane Roche from the College Diabetes Network, and Tiara Smith from Beyond Type 1. All three are individuals that live with diabetes and took the stage to share their perspectives and experiences with diabetes care and education specialists. Jane joins us today to share the highlights of that discussion, along with some insights into how the DCES and other healthcare professionals can further support the needs of their patients. Jane and I jump into the discussion right after these important messages from ADCES. We missed you in Baltimore. But ADCES 22 On Demand is now open through October 24th. Find out what's next for diabetes care and education specialists and experience the dynamic discussions, updated practice guidelines, and technological advancements explored during the live conference. Access now at adcesmeeting.org. The Art of Telehealth Certificate Program is free to ADCES members. Earn 6.5 CE, CME, and gain insight into how skillfully delivering virtual care offers many benefits to your practice and clients. Register today at diabeteseducator.org forward slash certificates. Jane, welcome to the huddle. Thank you. It's good to be here. We are so happy to have you. And this is just an amazing conference here at ADCES 22. And there's so much buzz about new things happening. How are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it immensely. I think it's been great. I'm learning a lot and seeing a lot of old faces and meeting new faces, so it's great. It is a lot of fun to finally be in person. And I said, you said you're learning a lot. Well, we are learning a lot from you because I heard your panel yesterday was just fantastic. It was the perspectives of people living with diabetes and what people with diabetes need from the DCES. And It was really cool to hear about the challenges and experience that people have with maybe even trying to access a DCES or reaching them. There were so many questions that people had, and I'd love to do a quick run through on like what those questions were, what came up, and it's just an opportunity to do a recap. 
you know, one of the things that I heard was about type 2. Like people with type 2 maybe don't always have that quick access to a DCES. Yes. So one of our panel members actually was misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes originally and took several years for her to get the correct diagnosis of LADA. And in that time when she was diagnosed as having type 2 diabetes, she was not offered a DCES. And it wasn't until she got her correct diagnosis several years later of LADA that immediately she was offered a DCES to work with and to get that care and education that she needed. And it was interesting because when I was talking to a colleague afterwards, she said, oh, that's very common. And I just thought that was shocking. And we've that's something we've got to work on is access to diabetes care and education at diagnosis for all people with diabetes. Right. Well, you know, and it's interesting to hear you talk about this and hear that question come up because I think we hear it frequently and we know that it's reimbursable. It's not a reimbursement issue, right? So I wonder sometimes, is it the number of DCESs? Does this specialty have to grow? Well, the specialty definitely needs to grow. We need to be across the board in every office or accessible to every office and urban, suburban, rural areas. I think that it's still a matter of making sure people know who we are, what we do, how to reach us and why they need us. Right. You know, and it's interesting. So many times it's like we hear two sides of this issue. We sometimes hear, oh, um, programs are closing, but we know how valuable the DCES is. And yet here we're having this topic come up of more people need to see the DCES. And we know that they bring high value to a health system and they actually bring down the cost in the health system. So it's how do we communicate that? Well, and another one of the questions that came up was from someone who does see the value of DCESs. And he was talking about how he has something like 500 patients in his clinic and he has something like five DCESs. And he was asking the panelists, you know, when do you need to see the DCES? Because I don't know whether to schedule for immediate need or to schedule people out like every three months or whatever. And they all had great responses to that. And they talked about how they don't always need someone every three months for education specifically. But when they need something like if a transition is happening or something like that, they need them right then and there. And so we talked about what a challenge that is to know how to schedule DCESs because, you know, we could stay busy all the time. And yet, we need to have some openings available for someone who's newly diagnosed or someone who's having an acute situation. So we talked about, you know, the four key times and that paper that has recently been uh, revised and updated. And those are at diagnosis, obviously, we need to, and we just talked about people with type one, type two, gestational, at diagnosis, everybody needs a DCES. And then annually, or if their treatments aren't working and they're not able to meet their targets as a result and they need a different treatment approach, that's another time to see a DCES. When there are complicating factors going on physically, emotionally, in life, whatever, it's a time to see a DCES. And then when there are life transitions, I mean, we talk a lot about young adults transitioning from pediatric care to adult care, but there are a lot of other transitions. Somebody might be changing jobs and they're not going to have the accessibility to their equipment or their, you know, or somebody might be moving or somebody might have extra stress in their life because of a death in the family or a divorce or something. So life transitions are another big time to see a DCS. 
where does that come from? Does a person with diabetes make that happen? Or is it the office that makes that happen? How do we make that change in the system? I think it's a combination. I think we need to make sure that the healthcare facilities are aware of us. Again, what we do and all that. Um, my little battle cry. So that they know to make DCESs available to their patients. But it's also up to the person living with diabetes to know our services and skills and to advocate for themselves and say, I want to see a DCES. And then to have, um, you know, like the find help resource and to be able to find the person who can help them or find someone in their area. I mean, that's the great thing about ADCES is we have all these resources to help people and providers access DCESs. Well, you're making me think just having this conversation here, and I haven't thought about this one before. It's almost like it's a two-prong, right? Is it sort of like a grassroots from the person with diabetes, right? It's like a grassroots effort to say, I need to see somebody. I need to see a diabetes care and education specialist. And then what we can do as the association or and as the diabetes care and education specialist is work at it from a policy aspect to say, we need more. We need to implement this into the health systems. So if you come at it from a two-prong angle, sort of like we do with politics, maybe that's the way to go. Well, I don't think it could hurt. I mean, we can just get the word out there every which way. I don't think we should put it on the person with diabetes because diabetes is new to them or they're stressed or they're whatever. So we shouldn't make it their responsibility to find a DCES. However, they need to know that we exist And where they learn, although with social media now, they're learning all over the place. They're learning from each other. However, healthcare professionals should be telling them that that's something that's available to them. Right. And since you brought up that really important point of not putting it on the person with diabetes, and it's actually another conversation that I've had several times in the conference the past few days about language. And I bring this up just because your paper on language was so important and pivotal. It makes me think about that we can't make system change if we put it all on the person, right? And that language puts it all, if we say diabetic, right, it puts it all on the person. When we start to say person with diabetes, we start to say, like, this is a really systemic issue. And maybe this is a good example of a systemic issue if there's not enough DCESs. So if we start thinking about it systemically instead of individually, this is just an area that's an example of why it's so important. Am I going in the right direction? Well, it's an interesting connection, For sure. Well, another topic that I heard come up at that talk was telehealth. How do you Hmm. think telehealth is changing? Well, I asked the panelists, and it was actually a little add-on follow-up question that wasn't on my list, but I said, what has been your experience with telehealth over the last couple of years? And it was really interesting because while they all seemed to appreciate that option, they didn't all prefer it. One of the panelists really preferred in-person and was really disappointed that she couldn't see her diabetes care and education specialist during that time. Another one really appreciated the support she got that way and how it was more readily available and accessible. So it was kind of mixed. And I've actually heard mixed feedback from other people as well about telehealth. And we can't make any assumptions about it. We really have to just use it as an option and a wonderful option to bring people closer who might not be able to get to us as easily. But it's also hard for some people. And some people really prefer the one-on-one and the in-person and, you know, physical encounter. So, yeah, I would say it was a mixed response. 
Yeah, because everybody's different, right? And so what telehealth might work really well for some people, and it might be better than the one-on-one, and they might have that instant access to a DC, not an instant, but maybe a very fast access to a DCES that they really need, but it isn't going to work for everybody. Um, And so it comes down to that it's person-centered, it's what works for the person, right? exactly. And that was kind of the theme of the panelists' responses to the questions, Diabetes care and education specialists are so person-centered. They really consider the whole person. They ask, how are you doing? I mean, that was one thing that stood out is she asks me how I'm doing. And that makes such a difference in the whole visit. So they were very grateful to the DCESs. I asked them what their parting messages were when we, we were finishing up. And they said, all three of them, just thank you. Thank you for what you do and for taking the time and for caring about me as a person and supporting me and teaching me. And, you know, that was I know I got chills during that part of it. And I'm guessing others did, too, because it was it was pretty special. Yeah. And I did hear the end of it. And it, and it was a special, you know, to have such a big room and to have a conversation like that. Special is the right word. You know, you talked about person centered and you talked about people being grateful And then earlier you talked about the DCES not making assumptions. And all of these things come down to the DCES building trust, right? And building trust with the people with diabetes that they work with. And when you have that trust, that propels people forward in managing their diabetes, right? And so that just reaches people with diabetes in a way that without a DCES in the healthcare system, they can't. Can you comment on that? Yes, I think that picking up on the trust factor is really important. And what I was thinking as you were saying that is two of the words that stood out to me when I was listening to the panelists were accessibility and that DCESs are more accessible. Well, that lends itself to trust. And then acceptance. I like to talk about radical acceptance and how not just saying meet people where they are, but say, accept people where they are. When one of them brought up acceptance, I was like, that makes so much sense because they're feeling it and they could actually put it into words that they felt accepted. And that leads to trust. It comes out as trust, but what it is, is they're feeling accepted. Okay. So you're leaving me with, and I think what I might leave this podcast with is radical acceptance. And I, and, and really maybe we should do another podcast on this, just that topic of radical acceptance. I think it's really important because you're right. It builds bridges, it breaks down walls and it builds trust, right? Yeah. I Uh, would love to do that. Fantastic. Well, we're bringing you back, Jane. (laughs) Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I don't think so. I think we kind of got the gist of how the panel went. And I think that the participants or the audience really appreciated that approach to a session. You know, we didn't have a lot of slides. We didn't have a lot of data. We just had human beings talking and sharing their experiences and thanking them. And that's what a DCES does. And that's what makes us so powerful. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of the conference. We're getting you back for another huddle. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you the access to many resources, education, and networking opportunities. Learn about the many benefits of ADCES membership at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. 
The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide any medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.